0: On March twenty third, twenty twenty three, Ugandan President Yaweri Museveni signed the Anti Homosexuality Bill into law. This law which passed in the Parliament of Uganda by a vote of 387 to 2, is the most egregious attack on LGBT rights in Ugandan history. Under the provisions of the Anti-Homosexuality Bill, homosexual acts are punishable by life imprisonment. In cases of aggravated homosexuality, which can include homosexual sex between a boss and employee, homosexual sex involving an HIV-positive participant, and repeated homosexual activity by a single person, the bill allows for the death penalty, making Uganda the only Christian-majority nation in the world to punish homosexuality by death. In addition, conspiring to enter into or facilitate a same-sex marriage is punishable by 10 years in prison. So-called accomplices are also targeted by this bill, as failing to report a violation of the anti-homosexuality bill is a crime punishable by six months in prison. Even making false statements about what the law actually criminalizes is punishable by one year in prison. Most notably, Merely identifying publicly as LGBT is punishable by up to 20 years in prison. Minors are not immune to this bill, as those under 18 who violate its provisions can still face up to three years in prison. Any individual convicted under the law is also prohibited for life from being employed in a government job or a job in the field of childcare. The passage of this bill has been condemned by most Western nations, as well as the United Nations Human Rights Office, which issued a statement saying that the law would, quote, render lesbian, gay, and bisexual people in Uganda criminals simply for existing, for being who they are. US Secretary of State Antony Blinken also slammed the bill and stated that the US government was seriously reconsidering American foreign aid to Uganda in light of its passage. If nothing else, the anti-homosexuality bill is yet another complication in the abysmal situation for LGBT rights, or lack thereof, in Uganda. Even prior to the passage of the anti-homosexuality bill, Uganda was largely considered one of the worst countries in the world to be LGBT in. In 1902, the Protectorate of Uganda, then under British sovereignty, adopted the Victorian English prohibition of homosexuality. When the Republic of Uganda gained independence in 1962, these laws were kept on the books. However, it is also interesting to note that these laws often went unenforced for decades, So, what changed? Well, one theory postulates that Uganda's present-day opposition to LGBT rights is the result of American evangelical Christian missionaries, many of whom have traveled to Uganda for the purpose of promoting traditionalist conservative social policy. The impact that these missionaries have had is disputed, but what is known is that, starting in the early 2010s, the Ugandan government began to crack down harshly on the LGBT community in 2014 the anti-homosexuality act was passed enforcing a lengthy prison sentence for those found guilty of engaging in homosexual sex on a societal level being lgbt in uganda is very isolating and often dangerous according to a 2013 poll 96 percent of ugandans believe that homosexuality should not be accepted by society statistically making uganda one of if not the least LGBT-friendly nations. In spite of this, many LGBT Ugandans have stood up for what is right in spite of ostracization and harassment. Arguably the most famous of these activists is Pepe Julian Onsima, a transgender man whose interview on the talk show Morning Breeze spawned this famous meme. Why are you gay? Who says I'm gay? You are gay. Perhaps the most notable female LGBT rights activist in Uganda is Kasha Jacqueline Nabakasera, a lesbian who has spent much of her career fighting against laws prohibiting same-sex couples from adopting children. As violence against LGBT Ugandans is not uncommon, both Onzima and Nabagacera have been targeted by attacks and even death threats. One such incident included both activists, as well as one more an outspoken gay male activist whose fate would come at the hands of this threat. I'm going to tell you all about him right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 85th episode of this podcast, and I hope you enjoy it, even though I have a cold. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara, Lisa Chase, and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and becoming a patron. One more thing. Make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Spotify for Podcasters. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Spotify for Podcasters. David Kato Kisule was born in 1964 in the village of Nakawala, located in the Mukono District, Uganda. From the time he was young, he was very close with his twin brother, John Malumba Waswa, considering his brother his closest friend. Kato attended King's College Budo in the Wasiko district before studying education at Kyambogo University in the Ugandan capital Kampala. He was seen as a very fast learner and skilled teacher by his classmates, and he soon began a successful career as a school teacher at the Nile Vocational Institute in Jinja, Uganda. Cato later recalled that, around his mid to late 20s, he began to question his sexuality. After he realized he was gay, he came out to his brother, John. To Cato's surprise, his brother was accepting of him, reportedly telling Cato, quote, I could tell that you were different but I respect you. However, after confiding in a co-worker that he was gay, Kato was fired from his job in 1991. Dejected by the homophobia he faced in Uganda, Kato moved to Johannesburg, South Africa. Unlike in Uganda, Kato was welcomed into a sizable community of LGBT South Africans. Although homosexuality had been punishable by up to seven years in prison under the apartheid government, this law was never enforced in the last years of apartheid. As South Africa was in the process of transitioning to multiracial democracy, the African National Congress began to fiddle with supporting LGBT rights. Cato and numerous other LGBT activists in South Africa contributed to the cultural shift towards supporting the LGBT community, and by 1993, the ANC had endorsed the legalization of homosexuality and even the recognition of same-sex marriages. In 1998, South Africa officially legalized homosexuality, and it would later become the first country in the world to constitutionally prohibit discrimination against LGBT individuals to this day south africa is the only african nation that allows same-sex marriage inspired by the positive impact he had made in south africa david kato returned to uganda in 1998 with a new passion for lgbt rights activism in his words quote In South Africa, I fought for their liberation in Johannesburg, so when I came home in 1998, I had the same momentum. I tried to liberate my own community. Sadly, Cato's activism was not as well received in Uganda. A couple weeks after returning to the country, Cato publicly came out as gay during a televised press conference. This announcement, which would lead to Kato being labeled Uganda's first openly gay man, landed him in police custody for over a week on disorderly conduct charges. Nevertheless, Kato cemented himself as the face of LGBT rights activism in Uganda. In 2004, Kato, in cooperation with transgender man Victor Mukasa and heterosexual ally Sylvia Tamale, founded Sexual Minorities Uganda, or SMUG. Operating out of an internet cafe in Kampala, Smug coordinated underground LGBT activism with the assistance of foreign NGOs. For his work with Smug, Cato faced severe harassment and discrimination. He was unable to hold down a stable teaching job due to his notoriety, comparing the situation to a game of hide and seek. During a United Nations conference regarding human rights in November of 2009, Cato spoke in support of expanding LGBT rights in Uganda. Numerous Ugandan diplomats were heard laughing and mocking Cato during the speech, which was followed by a virulently homophobic speech by Ugandan politician David Bahati. This speech was met with roaring applause from the Ugandan crowd. In 2010, Cato officially quit teaching to focus on his work with SMUG. October 2010, David Cato faced the most serious death threat of his life. This threat came from Rolling Stone, a Ugandan tabloid newspaper with a history of anti-LGBT statements. These included claiming that the Ugandan LGBT community was connected to the Somali Islamic terrorist group Al-Shabaab and alleging that Ugandan children were being groomed and recruited into being homosexual. Note that Rolling Stone is unrelated to the American magazine of the same name, and that the American Rolling Stone has since condemned the Ugandan tabloid in an article written by Matt Taibbi, originally from New Brunswick, New Jersey. The October 2010 incident in question saw Rolling Stone publish a front-page article titled, 100 Pictures of Uganda's Top Homos Leak. This article listed the names, photos, and addresses of 100 of Uganda's most prominent LGBT individuals. At the bottom of the article was a banner that said, in bold, quote, hang them. Kato was on this list, as were the aforementioned Kasha Nabagasera and Pepe Julian Onzima. These three activists, with the assistance of SMUG, sued Rolling Stone for endangering the individuals listed. International NGOs such as Amnesty International and No Peace Without Justice supported Smug's petition against Rolling Stone, condemning the newspaper for targeting the LGBT activists. On November 2, 2010, the Ugandan High Court accepted this petition, forcing Rolling Stone to temporarily halt the issue's publication in advance of a final ruling on the case. On January 3rd, 2011, the Ugandan High Court ruled in favor of smug. In this decision, Justice VF Kibuka Musoke opined that Rolling Stone had threatened the fundamental rights and freedoms of David Cato, Kashin Nabagasera, and Pepe Julian Onzima, as well as others, by violating their right to human dignity, as well as their right to privacy. In addition to scrapping the offending issue, Rolling Stone was forced to pay Kato, Naba and Onzima 1.5 million Ugandan shillings each, which is equivalent to around $600 each. Tragically, Kato could not even celebrate this victory for more than a few weeks. On January 26, 2011, Kato made a phone call to Onzima in the early afternoon. Less than an hour later, at approximately 2 p.m., a man broke into Kato's house in Busuka, Uganda, and hit Kato twice in the back of the head with a hammer. Kato died in the ambulance while being rushed to the hospital. He was 46 years old. Just over a week later, police arrested local gardener Subuga, Enoch, who would confess to murdering Kato. Enoch would later be sentenced to 30 years in prison with hard labor. Initially, Many news sources erroneously reported that Enoch was a prostitute who had killed Cato in self-defense while the two were arguing about payment. Eventually, police determined that the motive for the attack was robbery. However, this is exceedingly unlikely, as the murder took place in the middle of the day and nothing was stolen from Cato's house. Instead, it is widely believed that Cato's murder was a hate crime that resulted from Rolling Stone releasing his address. On The Killing of Cato, Rolling Stone editor Giles Muhame released the following statement, I have no regrets about the story. We were just exposing people who were doing wrong. David Cato brought death upon himself. He hasn't lived carefully. Cato was a shame to this country. Cato's funeral was held two days after his death but it was quickly broken up by anti-LGBT protesters who claimed that the individuals attending the funeral were akin to those who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. Cemetery laborers refused to touch Cato's casket, leaving Cato's friends and family to bury him themselves. The only Anglican bishop who agreed to officiate Cato's funeral was Christopher Senyonyo, who had been excommunicated from the Anglican Church of Uganda for supporting LGBT rights. Sadly, it seems that the situation in Uganda hasn't gotten much better since David Cato was taken from this world. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I enjoyed learning about it myself. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to spotify.com slash podcasters. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off but not for long.